Are you a single believer looking for the love of your life? Or are you a married believer looking to grow the love you already have? If you like practical advice based on the Word of God with real-life examples, you're in the right place. I'm Cindy. And I'm Wayne. Welcome Welcome to to Love Love with with the the Lines. And I'm Wayne. And this is episode 55. Wow. Yes, 55. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, so this is the last part in our series about Dr. Gary Chapman's uh, classic book on the five love languages. And we've been reviewing that. We've been through the introduction in the first three love languages, and we're finishing up with the last two today. As before, I will put the link where you can find the book in the podcast description and really encourage you to get a copy of it for yourself. We are just giving a, a really brief overview of, brief. Of, of the different things mm-hmm. in the love languages and can't possibly cover it all, but uh, we want to finish this up for you. Okay, so Wayne, why don't you read the scripture we've been using through this series? Okay, so we're using 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 to out of the New Living Translation, which says... Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Mm -hmm. And as we go through this, you may hear our cat interject something. It's like she just gave a word of agreement to that scripture. She really likes that translation, apparently. Apparently so. Yes, our cat has decided to join us for this podcast, and she thinks that we should be feeding her instead of recording a podcast. So anyway, if you hear weird noises, it's just Simone. Yes, not me. So the fourth love language that Dr. Chapman identified in his research is called acts of service. And he gives the example of Jesus when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, that that was really a great illustration of how to express love in an act of service. What we have to think about is that what the culture was like at that time. Back in those days, there weren't sidewalks and paved roads. There were there was dirt and mud and lots of dust and sand. And if you if you have ever been to the beach, you know how much effort it is to get all the sand off your feet when you walk into a building. In biblical times, the servants in the house were the ones who would wash the feet of the guests when they came in. They would they would remove their sandals and they would wash their feet to get all the dirt and sand and mud off of their feet. So this was something that was not owner of the house would do or anybody of any position would do. It was something for a servant to do. Well, Jesus did this for his disciples in the upper room. Oh, I should have brought up, we should have brought up that scripture. But anyway, it says, he says he took off his outer garment. He wrapped a towel around himself and he took a basin and he washed the feet of his disciples. And that that was a true example of acts of service. Dr. Chapman 
says in here that in earlier in his life, Jesus had indicated that in his kingdom, those who would be great would be servants. So mm -hmm. he illustrated the importance of, of acting in um, acts of service. So there's different ways that you can do that in a relationship. But I think one of the things that you have to determine is if your spouse's or partner's love language is acts of service, you need to know what those acts of service are. And when you read the book, you'll see he he gives an interesting story of a woman and he calls a doormat or lover. And basically the wife complained about all these acts of service that she had done for her husband over 25 years and that he had treated her badly, um, had humiliated her, ignored her, and that she felt that he that she had been his doormat. Well, and what Dr. Chapman talked about in here was like, it, we were never designed to be doormats, and you have to look at the motivation behind the acts of service. So we don't know what this woman's circumstance was, but she obviously did acts of service for her husband, but she did them out of out of resentment, out of bitterness, out of maybe fear. Maybe she was expected to do these or there would be some kind of consequence. Like, we don't know the whole backstory on this. But definitely, she didn't do them out of love, the way it sounds. Right, right. She didn't do them out of love. So that doesn't, if you do things grudgingly, that doesn't help either. And like we have always said in our podcast, so this type of relationship that was described with the woman feeling she was being a doormat, that's not a healthy relationship. But if you're in a relationship like that, that's where you need to get professional counseling and get some help for yourself first and then hopefully for you and your spouse. We were never intended to be doormats. God mm -hmm. never intended to be doormats. But there is a lot to be said for putting other people first. Now, not in an unhealthy way. This is, we could have a whole podcast just on that. You can, you can put other people first in an, in an unhealthy way, like you always feel like you're not good enough or you, um, you're not worthy of anything, and so you put everybody ahead of you. But it's an act of service when you could easily put yourself first, but you choose to put the other person first instead of you, and it's, mm -hmm. an, it's an act of choice. Yep. And he goes on to talk about manipulation by guilt. Like if you were a good spouse, you would do this for me. That is not, that's not a language of love um, or coercion by fear. Saying something like you will do this or you'll be sorry um, is also alien to love. No person should ever be a doormat. Um, love says, I love you too much to let you treat me this way. It is not good for you or me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not good. Yeah, manipulation by guilt is never a healthy that's thing. That's not healthy. No. Nope. And the author also goes on to talk about how, for many people, if acts of service is the love language of their spouse, they have to overcome stereotypes, which I think in our country, and, and the, Dr. Chapman talks about this, stereotypes have expanded. Like, there aren't mm -hmm. as many strict stereotypes about the role of a husband and the role of a wife, but actually it's expanded into so many. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and he talks about... The unhealthy stereotypes that we see in television, movies, those kind of things. I mean, there's there's a lot of sitcoms. We we gave up cable years ago mm -hmm. just because we realized when we watched some of this stuff that it just it wasn't God honoring and it wasn't providing a good example of what a a person following Christ would want to follow. And there's a lot of these sitcoms where the the father or the husband are berated and belittled and made fun of, and other ways around, you know, pick certain types of 
stereotypes of people are, are depicted as not being smart. Mm-hmm. And there's other things like that. So our country has a lot of stereotypes. If you're in the United States, I know we have some listeners in other countries. If you're in the United States, there can be a lot of stereotypes in the media that really don't reflect people, the the actual people. I think I think people in other countries get a lot of ideas of us from mm-hmm. movies and things that they watch that aren't what the majority of people mm-hmm. here are like, and it's not a, a good thing what they provide. Right. Well, like when we were kids, I mean, we there was stuff on TV, but we knew it wasn't real. Yeah. Unfortunately, now when you watch some of this stuff, if, if you don't know it's real or mm-hmm. that it's not, I mean, your perception is that it is reality. Right. And lots of times we tend to pick up the stereotypes of what we saw as in marriage as we were growing up. So what our father did, what our mother did, mm-hmm. and we tend to think that those are the roles in a marriage. And so if you had a husband who was great at... Uh, painting the house, mowing the grass, changing the oil in the car, but would never even consider changing a diaper, that can be a challenge if his wife's love language is acts of service and she really needs help with changing diapers or vacuuming or or doing the laundry or things like that. Well, that's how I know when I grew up. I mean, my dad milked the cows and, you know, took care of the, the, the all the farm machinery and stuff and made sure the lawn was mowed and took care of the truck and the cars and stuff. But my mom did all the housework, did all the cooking, did all the cleaning. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Fortunately for me, you lived on your own enough times that you knew how to do all that stuff. Well, and in my mom's credit, she made sure I could cook and sew and take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think a lot of times, I don't, I don't. A lot of people I've talked to over the years, they don't know how to do that stuff. Right. Well, it's very interesting because our only child was a girl. She spent a lot of time with you when you were <laughs> making home repairs. Mm-hmm. And her her husband never had anybody that modeled that for him. So she's actually the one in the house. She has a, she loves the color purple, and so she has her own uh, purple toolbox with purple tools and a purple drill, and she's got all kinds of stuff. And she's typically the one that does the home repairs, whereas her husband's a fabulous cook, and so he does a lot of the cooking. You do a lot of the cooking in our house, so that's something we recommend that you talk about if you are listening to this and you're planning to get married Mm -hmm. talk about what your expectations are for marriage what is marriage going to look like who is going to do what how are you going to divvy up the responsibilities and the chores around the house what's child rearing going to look like and if your um, spouse's love language is acts of service you need to find out what those acts of service are. Mm-hmm. You need to, um, and as the spouse, if you're the one who has the love language as acts of service, you need to talk with your spouse and tell them they are not mind readers. Way that I will joke, it's like when we're not on the same page about something, I'd be like, you're supposed to be reading my mind. And then he'll say, well, that's not what you're thinking about. You're thinking about something else. So we make it a big joke to Mm -hmm. diffuse a situation that could turn into an argument. Well, in reality, if you'd speak the same language. (laughs) That's another podcast. That's another one. That's another one. (laughs) Anyway. 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 you can't assume that they will automatically know what you want. You need to have a discussion with them, not in demanding tones, but just to have a discussion to say, you know, I'd like to share some things that I, I would really like if you would be willing to help help me with these with these tasks mm-hmm. or chores. Yep. So a couple of the the authors suggest if your spouse's love language is acts of service, you can make a list of all the requests your spouse has made of you over the past few weeks. 
select one of these each week and do it as an expression of love. Mm -hmm. um, or give your spouse a love note accompany, accompanied by an act of service every three days for a month. Ooh, that's an interesting mm -hmm. idea. Um, and you can get, if you have kids, you can get the kids to help you with some act of service for him or her as well. Mm -hmm. So then that leads us up to the last of the five la love languages, which is physical touch. And the author writes, physical touch is a powerful vehicle for communicating marital love. Holding hands, kissing, embracing, and physical intimacy are all ways of communicating emotional loves to one's spouse. For somebody who has their primary love language of being physical touch, when they don't get it, they feel unloved. I know physical touch is my love language. And Wayne was on the road with his job for a long time. And so he was gone all week. So I didn't get any hugs, I didn't get any kisses. I really struggled with that for a long time. And I mean, you know, I've been going through a difficult situation at my mm -hmm. work lately. And when I come home, what, what do I want you to do? Hug. Yep, I just want you to hug me. I just stand there. I just want him to hug me for a long time because that's that's a spot where I feel safe and that physical touch makes me feel loved. And that, to me, is better than any words he says or anything else that he does is just to have him hug me. And Better than me taking you to a greenhouse? Well, that's a close second. <laughs> That's a close second. That's a close second. That's a close second, anyway. Yes, I went. One of my favorite local greenhouses <laughs> opened yesterday, and I went for some plant therapy I, because I'm a gardener and I, I love plants and I love greenhouses. I actually used to work on a greenhouse. Anyway. 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 So he talks about so our physio physiology, the way that God designed our body to be, is that we have touch receptors all through our entire body. So lovingly touching your spouse almost anywhere can be an expression of love. Now that does not mean that all touches are created equal. Some will bring more pleasure to your spouse than others. And your best instructor for this, of course, is your spouse. They're the ones that you are seeking to love and they know best what they perceive as a loving touch. And this also can have a lot to do with a person's background and if they've suffered any kind of abuse right, or trauma right. in their life related to, to touch and their body, you need to be very aware of that. And Dr. Chapman actually says in the book, don't insist on touching your spouse in your way and your time. You need to lead, learn to speak their love dialect. Don't make the mistake of making, of, uh, pardon me, don't make the mistake of believing that the touch that brings pleasure to you will also bring pleasure to them. And also that these things, this again is like anything else. You can't be distracted. If you are giving your your spouse a back rub then you need to be focused on giving that back rub and you have to know to and um, i have to choose my words carefully because we work very hard to keep this a g-rated podcast in case there's little ears around but lots of times one spouse can think that like starting with a back rub can lead to other physical interactions that may be okay with your spouse but it might not be okay with your spouse your spouse might like those things to be separate or, you know, if especially if your love language is touch. If I thought that every time Wayne touched me, it was the expectation was it was going to lead to something else, that would not be good for me. That would that would make me feel distrustful. It would make me feel unloved. Most used. Yes, used. Mm -hmm. Yes, used. Mm -hmm. And yes. And so that physical intimacy is something that's something else to have a discussion about before you get married 
or you know with the if you're doing premarital counseling or whatever about you know what's healthy in in a relationship like that and you can be careful look for christian resources mm -hmm. go to trusted christian websites or work with a trusted counselor or a minister who can recommend some resources for you if you need some help in that area you can get ideas on how to be creative you can you know bring some spark back in if there never been a spark it was very interesting we went to some marriage seminars we've talked about them and one of the when it got to the point of talking about about physical touch and and physical intimacy between a husband and a wife the pastor who who of the was the husband of the couple who led these uh workshops he would say you know people would ask him all kinds of questions because a lot of depending on your church upbringing there were a lot of taboos about mm -hmm. what was okay what wasn't depending on where you were in space and what you were doing and whatever and and his advice was if it is if you have both agreed upon this as an okay thing and it's not something outside of the bounds of marriage it's okay mm -hmm. but you have to decide together what's okay and there's a lot you can go off in a lot of dark mm -hmm. places that stuff's not okay but whatever however you're comfortable in in your relationship that that's okay and i thought that was great advice mm -hmm. and he he goes on to say and like this is one of the ones i like um sitting close to each other on the couch as you watch your favorite television television program requires no additional time but may communicate your love mm -hmm. loudly touching your spouse as you walk through the room where he or she is sitting only takes a moment touching each other when you leave the house and again when you return may involve only a brief kiss or hug but will speak volumes to your spouse and he also says it goes on and talks about the body is for touching and that whatever there is of me resides in my body. To touch my body is to touch me. To withdraw from my body is to distance yourself from me emotionally. And he goes on to talk about, you know, we use, in our country, we use, in the United States, we shake hands mm -hmm. um, as a way of commuting openness and social closeness. Um, you know, an openness to engage in, their, in, I'm looking for the word not, you don't do relationships when you're just like on a business deal or something but it's an openness to communicate mm -hmm. with the other person like a deal like a business right. deal but it says when on one occasion a man refuses to shake hands mm -hmm. with another it communicates a message that things are not right in yep. their relationship and then dr chapman also talks about think about what happens when we're in a crisis like if you know somebody has uh you know somebody's sick or ill and you go to the mm -hmm. hospital to be with the with the family or the other people there what's one of the first things you usually do you hug each other mm -hmm. you know you you give uh you give comfort to each other and hug and it's and he says that we do that we instinctively do that in times of crisis because physical touch is such a powerful communicator of love and that when we're in crisis like that we, more than anything we need to feel yeah. loved we can't always change events but we can survive if we feel loved okay so there's and there's some suggestions for this love language yep so his suggestions are that if your spouse's love language is physical touch then like as you walk from the car to the mall um, from the mall to the car etc etc reach out and hold your spouse's hand when your spouse arrives at home meet him or her one step earlier than usual and give them a big hug and then you know give your you can give your spouse a foot rub although mm -hmm. from my experience um some people are ticklish on their bottom on certain parts of their foot. you would not you would not want a foot rub i no <laughs> no i would not 
Nope, I would not. <laughs> I like foot rubs, but they... You like them, but... I like them, but you don't yeah, like them. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I draw the line at that, baby. So this wraps up talking about... Oh, yeah, the cat says it's time to wrap up. Any... This wraps up our series on the classic uh, Dr. Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. Again, in the description of the podcast, I'll have a link where you can find that book and read it. And until then, we pray, until then, until we see you next week. Even though we won't see you on the podcast. We won't see you, but until you hear from us (laughs) next week, I know. Some habits are hard to break. Uh, They are. Until you hear from us next week on the podcast, we pray that your marriage will be richly blessed. God bless. Bye now. Bye. Till we meet again. Yes. Amen.